Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy, with episode number two of Life at 300 Miles Per Hour with my good friend Jimmo. And Jimmo, it's the first time that I have ever, ever had to break it up into two episodes, but your story is just so, so inspiring. And I can't thank you enough that, um, that you're man enough to tell your story and, and, and I know it, it can't be easy. Um, but the coolest thing is, is that you learned from certain things that you did or didn't do in your life. Unfortunately, it took the passing of your wife and that's where we left off is, is, um, Tammy had a few months to live. She wanted to, to, to drive her car. So, so why we had a quick little break here did she have a fancy car? Is that why she wanted to, like like did she have a convertible or something super sweet? No, she really <laughs> didn't. She she had a uh she had a um a Honda CRV that that I got uh for her from my good friend Rick Fisher's dealership. Yeah. <laughs> Fisher Honda, Ypsilanti, Michigan. <laughs> there, you know. there you go. <laughs> but uh you know, he um he, we got her this car and we and basically what we did once after she had the cancer and we wanted to get her something that it was easy for her to get in and out of and that you know she didn't it didn't take a lot of effort for her to drive around but um we got her that and i'm like you know okay you know it's a cool it was a cool car for her i mean i would have i would have picked something else but that's what she wanted so you left off saying that she wanted to go for a ride that day she woke up and wanted to go for a ride and then she was upset that you wouldn't let her drive did you put her in the car and did you guys go for a drive that day no, I because she did. She didn't want to do that. She didn't want to be a passenger. So and she wanted to drive herself. She wanted to drive herself, and she did not want me in the car with her. And I said, I can't let you do that. You know, I couldn't. Um, and and she was mad. I mean, she was real mad at me <laughs> that I wouldn't, you know, allow her to do that. But I couldn't, in my right mind, allow her to. Did do you that. ever let her drive again? No, unfortunately, she never drove again. The reason why I ask is you're the kind of guy that has connections. And while you were telling that story, I thought to myself, no, he's going to say that he went and got a runway, that, that they weren't landing planes anymore there, and let her drive just so she could feel that, that, that freedom again. And um, so, so did you, um, when you knew that she only had six months to a year, you knew that, that she wanted to make it to your daughter's uh, graduation, which she did. Um, a lot of people go on like family trips and stuff. Did you guys do any of that? Any any of that kind of stuff? Well, I remember we went to um, her oncologist, and and things were getting pretty bad at that point. And um, you know, they kept doing these these you know chemo treatments and radiation treatments. You know, by now she had um, you know cancer and spots that were in her brain. Um, and you know, and a lot of other spots and it was like, you know, you're, you're trying to plug all these holes and it's just not working. Mm -hmm. They would do radiation here, radiation there for every spot they got rid of two more showed up. Yeah. And, um, you know, so went in, met with her oncologist and he, at that point suggested putting her on hospice. And I remember my daughter and I and Tammy were in there and, you know, it was almost like. For Tammy, she felt like that um, everybody had given up on her at that point, and I, and you know, and I felt that a little bit too, like you know, for her that uh, that they gave up on her. You know, it's like, all right, well, we can't do anything else. This is the end of the road for you, right? And um, so we left there, and um, you know, I remember we got in the car. Tammy says, I want to go to Taco Bell drive through and I want to get a, a taco and I want to get some the, the the dessert things that they had. I can't remember the heck what they yeah, called them, the chalupas the, or yeah, whatever they were. And cinnamon or whatever. The cinnamon yeah. things or whatever. <laughs> and she goes, and I don't want to hear a word about it. Because at that time, you know, Ashley and I were constantly on Tammy about her diet, you know, mm -hmm. eating good and that you know, maybe that can help her and, and all that. And, um, 
we would get in her case about whatever she ate or, you know, she loved Mountain Dew. And um, we would always get, get in her case about drinking Mountain Dew. So she we went to the Taco <laughs> Bell drive-thru. She got her taco with meat and cheese only on it, her cinnamon chalupa things or whatever they were, <laughs> and, a, and a Baja Blast Mountain Dew. <laughs> and she was happy. And, you know, that made her happy. So then we went back to the house, and Tammy and I had always procrastinated about going to Niagara Falls, you know, um, you know, she would say, look, we need to go to Niagara Falls. And I'm like, okay, yeah, when are we going to do that? You know, and I certainly didn't want to go to Niagara Falls in the wintertime. You know, right. in, the, in the racing business, it seems like that's really your only time that you can schedule a vacation is either during Thanksgiving or, or Christmas. Yep. And, yep. Um, you know, so um, I told her, I said, we're going to Niagara Falls. She goes, when? I go, tomorrow. And really, she's like, Okay, so you know we hopped. You know, I look. I, I went to a medical supply store and I I bought a, a wheelchair, a couple other things for her because she there was no way she was going to be able to walk around by herself. So, you know, I um get all these things for her and I said I don't care if it takes us three days to drive there. This is what we're doing. So, um. Everybody says, well, you got to go to the Canadian side. Well, unfortunately, I, I didn't have a passport for Ashley mm -hmm. at the time. So, you know, we went the American side. So we drove, you know, from from our home in Ypsilanti. Then we drove, um, stopped in Cleveland, you know, one night. And, um, you know, I was prepared to, like, if I have to just drive, like, 100 miles each day and stop and get a room for her, that's what we're going to do. Right. But – we made it to Cleveland. We went and had a nice dinner. She did really well. She struggled a little bit sleeping, but got up the next morning. She was ready to go, and we um, we made the trip. We got we got to uh, uh, Niagara Falls, and um, you know we um, we had a room. You know, so then the next morning, got up. I you know had her in a wheelchair, and I felt you know I pushed her probably ten miles in that wheelchair. You know, just. <laughs> everything but we go and we see the fall so you know there, it was memorial day weekend i remember that and it was so crowded i was gonna say it was probably so packed. crowded with people and um she goes um you know we I, I pushed her up and you know she's you know finally sees all the you know the falls for the first time and of course there's all these rude tourists cutting in front of her and <laughs> and i'm you know and i i got i was getting mad because it's like these people couldn't see that this woman's in a wheelchair, right. you know, and was trying to see something. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it was a little aggravating in that, <laughs> that respect, but we had a great time, you know, like looking at all the stuff and, and did she love it? Why? Well, I said, I, I said, well, what do you think? She goes, well, this is really cool. And we stayed there, um, you know, into the night and then we went and we had dinner and then we went back to the hotel room and, um, so the next morning we woke up and I thought we would go back. And I said, so, um, I said, so what do you think of Niagara Falls? You would go back and check some more stuff out. She's like, no, nah, I really wasn't that impressed with it. <laughs> it's like one of the biggest and wonders go, of, the, of the world, right? <laughs> I go, okay. I go, well, what do you want to do today? Wait a second. And you guys had been procrastinating on probably 20 years of going there, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And I'm like, dang, that's <laughs> after all this time, but you know, um, but, but I was okay. You know, yeah. she, I said, well, what do you want to do instead? She goes, well, let's go find a mall and, and let's go find Ashley a dress for graduation. Mm -hmm. And I go, okay. So we went to the mall <laughs> instead, <laughs> spent our last day there, you know, at yeah. the mall. So what, what, what'd you get at the mall? Did you get a dress? Well, um, cause I know how you are. You probably wanted, wanted to spoil her. And Tammy was not a, from what I remember, Tammy was not a very materialistic person no, at all. Not at all. Not at all. She, um, but it was funny, you know, they went in some stores, uh, Ashley and her were looking for dresses. And then, you know, I kind of like, it, it's, it, it's hard shopping with your daughter and your wife at the same time when you're in all these women's, you know, whether it's women clothes, women's clothing or purses or whatever it may be. And they were looking at everything and, um, <laughs> it was pretty funny, you know, but, um, you know, finally, uh, Ashley found a dress and I remember we're sitting out there and, um, you know, Tammy goes to me, she goes, um, 
you know, she says, um, I think I'd like some ice cream. And I'm like, okay, well, then Ashley's like, you don't need ice cream now because Ashley's still <laughs> on this thing that that's not Eat what right. you should be <clears throat> eating on your, you know, on a diet, you know, and, and, uh, you know, so Tammy and Ashley, they're bickering each other about this, this, uh, this ice cream. And I said, Ashley, your mother wants ice cream. <laughs> I said, let's go get her some ice cream. And, um, so Ashley's like, fine, whatever. And I'm like, all right, well, so I push her up and there's this Hagen Doss there and I pushed Tammy up there and I said, well, what kind do you want? You know? And she's, well, I don't know. And she's looking over cause she's in the wheelchair and she's looking over and it's a nice young girl behind is asking her like, Oh, do you want to try anything? And so, um, <laughs> you know, Tammy tries like a little, a uh, little spoon of like cookies and cream and then another, um, I don't remember what the one was, but, um, she goes, you know, finally settles on, I'll have a scoop of, of cookies and cream ice cream. And, um, so she, this girl, you know, gets this ice cream for Tammy and I, and I go to, you know, to pay for it. And the girl says, Oh no, no, that's on me. I'm taking care. I'm like, no. So I <laughs> gave the girl like a $10 tip. Yeah. You know, I just thought it was really nice of her to do that. And, um, I remember, you know, sitting there and watching Tammy starting to eat this ice cream. And now this is a, this is a woman she'd been through chemotherapy, radiation. She actually had a pain pump implanted in her that, um, we had to put in her because, um, you know, pills and th they weren't doing the job anymore. So like whenever she started having these pain fits, she, we had a button and she'd hit the button and it would, uh, send pain medication right into her spine, which was, which was, would help her out. Right. Um, but you know, it didn't last real long, you know, it was, it would help some, but it was, you know, not the, not the cure all by any means, but it was all we had at the time. And, um, I remember sitting there watching her eat this ice cream and the biggest smile came upon her face <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And I said, this ice cream, this little simple scoop of cookies and cream ice cream is more powerful than that pain pump and chemotherapy or radiation because what it did, it, it put a smile on her face and it, it brought, um, it brought her happiness and she was pain free and it was, it was amazing. I often say that we have those aha moments in our lives. For you, was that an aha moment that you saw that the simplest thing on this planet made somebody so happy? Absolutely. That was probably the, 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 the most like eye opening thing I've ever seen in my life for me, you know, that aha moment that was like, Something so simple as a scoop of ice cream was so powerful. That kind of took over your way of thinking up until today. I mean, you still live, um, you live differently ever since that moment. And I, I don't want to speak for you, but I mean, am I, because I remember that, you know what I mean? I mean, you were, you were just all business. And then all of a sudden after Tammy, you, you, you changed you changed it as a person. Not that you were a bad person. You just changed. Like, your mindset was like, man, is he trying to take over my job now? I mean, this guy is, like, very motivational. He's very inspiring. He's very, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because sometimes it, it takes something like that in life that we see something or we realize something. That's something that you saw and then realized that, wow, life is this simple. Well, and at that time, I saw the effect that it had on Tammy, but I I still didn't understand how I could use that moving forward. Right. It actually, it actually took me another really few months before yeah, I kind you, of understood. But you still, that. but you still understood it. Yeah. So after the ice cream, how many more months did you have her? Well, we we D didn't. Didn't did she actually see your daughter graduate? Yes, that was the the most awesome thing in in the whole world. I'm, I'll never forget. Um, Ashley was graduating on the Friday night of the weekend we were racing in Englestown, New Jersey. And, um, so, you know, I remember, um, you know, getting 
ready. And I'm like, I'm not going to Englishtown on Friday. So it's like, it's going to be the first time that I'm not there with my race car, you know, helping to, to tune the Mac tools car. So, you know, my guys at that time, they did a great job. You know, we, we communicated about, you know, what to do. I, I had my, my phone with me, my tune up <laughs> program with me in the graduation ceremonies. <laughs> and Tammy and I, I was sitting with her. Um, they had a, uh, a section for handicapped people, you know, at the time and she was in the wheelchair. So I had her there and then I was next to her and, um, you know, the guys were sending me some information about, you know, the, the air and everything. So I would suggest things, but basically the boys, they ran the car, uh, without me, you know, there, but I was able to follow along and, you know, have a little bit of a, a little <laughs> bit of so. input, you yeah. know, what was going on. But, um, you know, I remember, the, the, the cool part was is that they made, uh, before we went to graduation, they had made their first qualifying run, and before the, the graduation started, they made their second run. So it was like, all right, now I can just focus on watching my daughter graduate. <laughs> and, um, you know, with the last name Oberhofer, she wasn't obviously the one of the first kids up there. She was more towards the middle, towards the back. And, and um, I'll never forget when they called my daughter's name, and she walked up on that stage and Tammy was so excited and she cheered so loudly. <laughs> it like, it brought a tear to my eye that she was able to see that. Yeah. And I knew as soon as that moment was, was over, I knew that she was done. And yeah. I knew that she had, um, accomplished her goal of, of seeing Ashley graduate. And I felt like that she's probably not going to be here very much longer. And, um, so the next day, Tammy's uh, mom and dad, they were up and they stayed over at the, the house. And, and I had asked Ashley what she wanted to do for like a graduation party. And she says, well, I'd really like to go to the English town race with you and we always at the English town race, we always had a, uh, we called it Eddie's lobster fest yep. in honor of, uh, of Scott Coletta. And, um, she wanted to be part of that. And so that's what she wanted for her graduation party. So she graduated on Friday. You were back at the racetrack on Saturday. And yeah, she went with <laughs> me. We flew in Saturday morning and, and, uh, <laughs> flew into LaGuardia airport. We drove down to the track and, and, um, you know, I spent, you know, that weekend with my daughter and, and it was awesome. Yeah. It was absolutely awesome. And, uh, when I got back, um, back home, we had a weekend off before the, uh, the Bristol race and, you know, Tammy was like, she was on, it was like all of a sudden, like she was like feeling really good and stuff. So she, you know, Tammy loved going to the casinos down in Detroit. Well, she loved going to any casino anywhere. <laughs> She'd been to them in Australia, Vegas, anywhere there's a casino, she's going, right? So she had told me that she wanted to go down to um, Greektown Casino. So, you know, I drove her down there. Ashley and I drove her down there, and, and I had asked if I could, you know, go in there with her. And she says, no, because you're just going to rush me. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> Okay. And I'm like, but I need to push her in the wheelchair. Well, she did not want a wheelchair. She walked in there and I remember going to the parking garage and they had the little skywalk deal to connect it to the Greek town casino. And I dropped her off right where the skywalk was. And she walked into the casino. And I said, when you get in there, I said, you call me. So, um, she called me and she was sitting down in a machine and she was loving life. So then Ashley and I, we went to uh, uh, Fishbones, yep. you know, in Detroit yep. and we had dinner and I told Tammy, I said, just call me whenever you're ready. And I, and <laughs> you know, so I'd get a text from her here and there and then I, you know, um, you know, call her and stuff. And then she goes, um, she goes, okay, I'm ready. And I go, all right, well, we're in the same spot we were. I, and she's like, okay. And um, so next thing you know, she goes, I'm here. And I'm like, 
where? Like, I don't see you anywhere. <laughs> right. So I'm like, well, where are you at? She goes, the place you dropped me off at. And I go, okay. So I tell Ashley, I said, Ashley, I go, I don't, I said, I think your mother's lost. I said, <laughs> I said, I'm going to go in and find her. And so, um, I'm going through this casino and I can't find her. And then I'm, you know, and then the phone service isn't so great in the casino. So right. I'm getting nervous. I'm like, man, where is she at? You know? And, and, um, you know, at the same time, my daughter's in the car by herself, you know, waiting on me. So finally I, um, I said, you know, I'm going to go to this valet area. So I go out to this valet area and there she is. She's sitting there and she's just carrying on this conversation <laughs> with the valet people, just having a grand old time. And she goes, Oh, there you are. I wonder where you've been. And I said, <laughs> and I said, I, I couldn't remember where it was that we parked. I said, um, I, I said, I parked somewhere else. I said, I'll come back and get you. She goes, Oh no, no, we'll walk. And I, I go, you sure? I said, I'll come back and get you. No, no we'll walk. So, so anyway, um, I think it was just because she wanted to walk through the casino again and see if right. there was a machine that was calling her name. But we walked back through the, the casino and then um, went back to the car. And uh, she's like, you know, yeah, this isn't where you, where, where you dropped me off the first time. It was the other place. And I'm like, nope, you're right. <laughs> so did she win? Um, you know, I don't know. She, anytime Tammy went to the casino, she always told me that she won and she might win 50 bucks or a hundred bucks, but you really didn't know how much she spent to get that right. $50 or a hundred dollars. But it was, it was really cool. And then that Sunday, um, she, uh, this was on a, um, Thursday night. And then on Sunday, she asked me if she can go to the casino again. And I said, sure. She goes, well, I don't want you to go with me. I go, well, how are you going to get there? And she says, well, I'm going to go with, with, um, with Kim, uh, my brother, Jono's wife. And so Kim and her, they like Tammy got all dolled up and they went down to the casino. They had dinner and they just had this great old time. And, um, and it was it was almost like man i'm jealous that i didn't get to go down there with with her but uh yeah. they had this great old time and this was literally you know um uh, about a week or so before she passed wow she had this burst of energy and it was like awesome yeah yeah that is so awesome so your wife passes away you have this new this new energy about yourself and I don't, I, maybe energy is the wrong word, Jim, but you had this new outlook on life. Is that when you got excited and you start writing a book or was that a little bit later? Because I, it's a, that's something that um, I do want to talk about because you bring up a lot of personal stuff in the book. It, it took a little bit of time for me. I think, you know, for me, um, when Tammy finally passed, I, I, for me, I couldn't believe it and I didn't want to believe it. And I remember, um, when it happened, you know, that I, there was like this, you know, empty feeling in my stomach that, you know, she was gone and I was never going to be able to, uh, you know, spend any time with her again. And, right. you know, and then there was a the reality of the fact that, you know, I had an 18 year old daughter that just lost her mother, yeah. you know, and, um, and I'm not laughing. I'm laughing because it's like 18 years old. Let's just yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and I'm like, you know, how am I gonna, how am I gonna do this? How, you know, how is, you know, how is she gonna be? And you know, what do I do? Yeah. You know, from here on out, you know, with with my daughter. I mean, I spend most of my time on the road, and you know, my daughter, she's, you know just graduated from high school and it's like, you know, what do I do here? You know, did you jump right back into your job because that was your, your escape goat for a lot, for a lot of us, men, we jump right into work because that's easy. Well, yeah. I mean, my, when my wife passed away, you know, I went to, um, the very next race was in, um, Epping, New Hampshire. And, uh, it was the first race, that they had had in Epping, New Hampshire as an NHRA national event track. And uh, this was back in 2013. And, you know, I, I flew in with, uh, with, 
with Connie and Doug and, and Cowboy Bob, he came out. He was so awesome. He came out and stayed with me and helped me with all the funeral arrangements and everything, mm-hmm. uh, which is a whole other story in itself. But, um, um, you know, we went to the Epping race, and for me, it was very therapeutic for me because my my racing family was was so important in mm-hmm. my life, and, and so many people – that I knew, you know, in life were from racing. And yeah. I have so many close friends and, um, you know, people in, in, in the sport of racing that, that, that really helped me through it. And it, and it really helped me when, you know, I look at, um, you know, I looked at the, the Don Schumacher racing cars and they had a Tammy O sticker on the car, John force, you know, cars and, you know, and having these guys come up to me and, uh, you know, talk to me and tell me how sorry they were and ask me how my daughter was doing and everything. And it was, it was very, um, you know, very therapeutic for me. You know, I'm, I was very fortunate to have that racing family there mm-hmm. for me, you know, at, at, at that time, it was, uh, I probably couldn't have gotten through it the way I did without right. them. Isn't it amazing that when you lose somebody, you realize how important they were not to just you, but to so many other people as well. Yeah. It, and it's, you know, and, and, and Tammy, you know, she, there was, she knew so many people, you know, cause when she used, I mean, she used to work for NHRA and yeah. she did like all, a lot of media stuff with them and then working for the Coletta team, doing the PR stuff for them. And, um, you know, she was, you know, very well liked, yeah. you know, yeah, in, the, in the world of world of drag racing. So did you, became did you become after all this is that when you took up dancing and became a professional ballroom dancer well i, I wish i could say i was a professional ballroom dancer johnny d but i, <laughs> I was i was definitely far from that. i was you know when they have those like pro-am things i was the am like the amateur <laughs> but um actually the the ballroom dancing came into play um in early 2010 and um when I took my first lesson, my wife and I took our first lesson. But so it was your wife that got you involved. I was oh, going to yeah. ask you. Oh yeah, no, it was. It was all her because we used to go th- this Mexican restaurant there close to where we lived, um, and uh, we would go to this restaurant. And next thing you know, she started noticing they were building a building and or building a uh, something in this strip mall uh-huh. next to the Mexican restaurant. So. She starts looking, and finally, it shows that it's going to be a ballroom dance studio, at you know that was getting built. So I'm like, oh okay. So she's like, oh that's going to be so cool, ballroom dancing, whatever. Let's you know we need to go try this. I'm like, yeah right. I don't think so. I'm not doing that. So every time we go to the Mexican restaurant, she would bring it up. Well, then the next thing you know, the place opens up, and you know she would look in there, and she just thought it was so cool. And so I remember. Um, Tammy and, and her, um, her friend Melody, they went to, uh, to Las Vegas and, um, they had a girl's weekend because Melody here was one of Tammy's close friends. She also had cancer. She was, uh, uh, had breast cancer. And, um, so they both went to Vegas and they had this grand old time. So while they're there, I asked Ashley, I said, Hey, do you think I should go by mom? you know, buy us ballroom dancing lessons as like an anniversary present. And she says, Oh, I think she would love that. <laughs> so I go into this place and, and I, you know, ask for like a beginner's package. So I buy this beginner's package and, um, give it to Tammy for our, our wedding anniversary, which was December 20th. And she couldn't believe that, that I bought this. So, so the next thing is, is they're calling me up. The dance studio is wanting to know when I want to schedule, you know, my first lesson. So I said, so I'll get with you, you know, <laughs> let you know. So next thing you know, finally we schedule a lesson and her and I are driving up there. Well, Tammy starts getting nervous. You know, I hope they don't have us dancing out in front of people and whatever. <laughs> I said, I'm sure they got a back room where we go to or whatever. So which they did, they had these curtains and they closed everything off. So our instructor came in there and, we started. So it was like a private lesson. Yeah, it was a private lesson. Okay. So we had three private lessons. So I, um, uh, we do this first lesson. And the instructor uh, Trish, she goes, she's going to teach us foxtrot. 
Like I'm like, what what the hell's Foxtrot, <laughs> right? So next thing you know, I'm like trying to do these, you know, slow, quick, quick, slow, all these things. And I'm and then the next thing you know, the lesson's over. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I got okay. So then we do another lesson. Well, by the time our three private lessons were done, I've I found myself, we both did that we wanted to do more. Yeah. Like we felt like we just scratched the surface and we wanted to do more. So, so were you amazed that you could actually move like that? Well, cause you're a big dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it was, it was, it was, uh, at the time I'm like, I definitely had two left feet when I started <laughs> out, but so we bought 20 more lessons and we started you know, doing more. And then yeah. the next thing, you know, they asked us if we wanted to do a showcase where we each did a routine. So then, you know, Tammy and I would kind of split off to where, um, she more had more of an instructor working with her than I had mine working with me and, um, you know, coming up with these you know, these, these showcases, so mm -hmm. to speak. And, and, um, I will tell you this, that, you know, Tammy was way more at ease on the dance floor performing than I could ever be. Yeah. I, I, I stressed out too much because I, it was too much, too competitive. I was going to say it's competitiveness. Yeah. And it, that, that she was having fun with it. She was having fun it with it. As, I took it the yeah. other way, mm -hmm. which was, um, was tough, but, but we both finished and they were, and it was awesome. We had such a great time doing it. Okay. I have to ask. Because I know in the showcases, not only did you have to learn how to dance, but dude, you had to dress up. The only thing I've ever seen you in is jeans and a pullover short shirt, or your black pants at the racetrack yep. and 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 a Mac Tools shirt. Yeah. So when you do these showcases, you have to dress up, right? You have to put a nice suit on or a tuxedo and wear these fancy shoes. I mean, right? Oh yeah. Well, when, when we How did, did that feel that, that had to make you feel a little uncomfortable too. Oh yeah. No doubt. <laughs> um, the tuxedo wasn't so bad, you know, cause uh, when, when you do like the um, American smooth dancing, so like waltz, fox, foxtrot, tango, uh, things like that, you know, or a tux. So I bought a tux, you know, a regular tux. And I'm like, I mean, I always dig dressing up in yeah. tuxes because I like to to kind of look like James Bond is a cool <laughs> thing, right? So that wasn't so bad. The problem was the rhythm dancing. So when you had, um, you know, East Coast swing, um, rumba, cha cha, you know, things like that, mambo. Well, then you get into like the Latin pants and the oh, those are like the, the real skin, skin tight ones and everything. Oh yeah, and I don't, <laughs> I don't have that kind of figure at all to pull that off. But but you did lose a lot of weight when you started dancing. Oh yeah, I, you I, went from I'm not going to say you were. I was. I went from being like an offensive lineman. Okay, yeah. I'll to, let you to, say it anyway you to want. down to like a. a like a, a wide receiver yeah. almost, you know, yeah. but so did dancing have a lot to do with your physical appearance and wanting to work out more and more and more? Yeah, no, it's it certainly, and it was a fun way of losing weight yeah. because you know, I mean, I grew up like I, you know, I would have loved to have played professional football, yeah. I would have, you know, I, but that was never going to happen for me. Um, but I, you know, it was, you know, you go to the gym and, you know, it was kind of a drag, you know, <laughs> going to the gym and, and all that. It was kind of got old after a while. But then it was like, you know, I, I did this dancing thing and the, and the weight started coming off. And I felt like more physically fit than I'd ever felt yeah. in my life. So I really dug it. It was it was cool. What was, because I, I uh, saw a few videos of you doing it. And, and I mean, it, you I don't know if you know this, but they're on YouTube and stuff. So people can oh boy. find you uh, doing those. <laughs> Um, what was your favorite dancing to do? If you could pick just one, I tell you what, I really enjoyed the uh, the American smooth dancing. So I really enjoyed like doing a, a waltz or or a foxtrot. Tango was really cool. I really enjoyed um, uh, doing the tango and stuff, and and a Viennese waltz was really cool. I mean, that is like, those of you that can't see Jimbo right now, he is like getting all excited up on the microphone, <laughs> grinning when, it, when he's talking about this. This is great. Well, well the Viennese <laughs> waltz was, I tell you what, that was the coolest thing because it was such a fast paced, smooth dance. And it's almost like, you know, the, the, I remember the first time I did this, I'm, we're going straight 
and then I didn't know how to turn. So I was, I was definitely a drag racer at that point. Like I needed to turn left and I didn't know how to turn <laughs> left. And I just was, was going to go straight through the window of the dance studio. Is this something that you think the men and women that are listening to this podcast right now, that may be in a, in a situation in their relationship that they need to do something to spark it again is going ballroom dancing a great way to get to learn who your partner is again, get to know who your partner is again, have some fun with your partner again. I think so. I think it, you know, it's, it's definitely a fun thing to do. And, and, and the, the best advice I could say, if you do choose to do that with, with your wife or your significant other, that you keep it fun. Right. You know, for, for me, and I'm just going to call myself a dumb at this point <laughs> was that, I just found it was another way that I can be competitive. And when I found out that they had these pro-am dance competitions, I was all about, oh, Winning. man, I, yeah, and I, <laughs> and I won a lot of top male student awards and that I was very proud of. But same thing, it it took a lot of time away from, from me being, you know, that uh, good husband, good dad, you know, good family man, because I, I was like, it was just another way for me to compete. But when you – if you can do it where when I got back to what it was originally for just to be fun, it's a yeah. great way of meeting different people. You always talk about how competitive you are and it seems like you just do whatever it is you're, you're going to try to win. I even found a video today before you got here of you and your brother. And I want to make sure that I got this right because you guys, there was an incredible video and it was back in, I want to say 1997, 98. And it was a castrol rib eating contest. You guys were eating ribs against each other on TV. Now, is that just because you were hungry that day and they didn't feed you enough? Or you will you guys find any possible way on earth to compete against well, well, actually, my brother and I were on the same team. And actually, oh, you were? Yeah, okay. and, and actually how all this started, it was kind of funny. We were down in um, Dallas, Texas at the West End Marketplace. We were displaying our car, mm-hmm. one of the Coletta cars. And um, and Ed Ace McCullough was our crew chief, and, and his late wife, Linda, was there uh, with us. And this was an event that was sponsored by Castrol. So, you know, you, you had a Coletta car there, and then there were, you know, uh, a John Force show car there and everything, everything was Castro, you know, Castro GTX everywhere, Castro super clean, all this stuff. So we had heard that they had, we're going to have a rib eating contest. So uh, Linda McCullough tells my brother and I, you, you and your brother need to enter that. And I'm like, we don't want to do that. You know, and she's yeah. like, Oh no, you guys need to do that. So next thing you know, they entered us in this, this Castro, uh, Castro edge rib eating contest. Were so, there professional people there too? Like during this deal? Yeah, there were, um, there, there was the Castro super clean rib eating team that was there. <laughs> and there was, I think there was a total of eight teams, which included my brother and I, now John force was, was teamed up with Nate Newton from the Cowboys. Right. So like, John Forrest wasn't going to eat nothing, and neither was Nate Newton because he had to do a weigh-in with – I think he was still with the Cowboys at the time or he was trying out for the, the Eagles or something like that. But he's like, I can't eat, you know, because I got to make weigh-in yeah. or whatever, and he was a big dude. Um, Bruce Litsky was a professional golfer, and then there were some other, um, you know, local celebrities that were there. And then there was also this Castro super clean rib-eating team. So <laughs> – my brother and I were in in heat one, and um, so my brother and I were next to to Bruce Litsky, the golfer, and then there's a, a writer, I believe, from the Fort Worth Fort Worth Star Telegram there, and there's my brother, and then there's me, and then John Force and Nate Newton on the other side, and there was another team. So anyway, we start this deal, and they start. And, and it was before they started the Castro super clean rib eating team captain. He comes over to me and he's like, you know, okay, well, this is what you should, you know, should do. And you just put the bones here and all. I'm like, I'm like, all right, well, I'm eating ribs. Like what's the big deal? Here, right. <laughs> so next thing you know, they start and I start mowing through these ribs. Like you wouldn't believe 
<laughs> and my brother's like, he's not going quite. I'm eating two ribs to his one at that time. And next thing you know, like, like Bruce Litsky, he just stops and looks like, He's like, holy crap, look at this guy eat these ribs. And then, you know, Nate Newton, he's looking over like, damn, you know, and I'm just going to town eating these ribs. Well, then, like, we won that heat. My brother and I, we won that heat. So we made it to the final round. And um, we're like, man, I, I don't know when this final round is, but it's like, I I hope it's not within an hour or two hours. Luckily, this was like one o'clock in the afternoon and yeah. then the final was going to be at like seven o'clock that night when they had all their main stuff going on down there so anyway um we make it to the final and um they've got my brother and i you know i'm, I'm my brother's seated then i'm next to him and then right next to me is the two guys from the castro super clean rib eating team <laughs> So anyway, we start, well, now my brother stepped his game up. So we're just mowing through and we're like throwing ribs down. And we are like, I mean, we are battling with these Castro professional guys over there. And Garen Suhu, uh, my, my good friend who introduced me to, to Cowboy Bob, he was working with us at the time and he's videoing all this. Right. And like, like people are cheering because like they're like man we're gonna win this deal right <laughs> so we're just going to town on these ribs well i'm throwing bones down john was throwing bone well some of our bones like rolled over into the castro guys and they and garen had it on film they swiped some bones from us <laughs> you know and when it was all said and done we lost by one rib wow so garen he's going to bob fry he's like Hey, I've got it on that was video. The for, yeah. Right? yeah, he's going to any trade announcer. He's telling mm -hmm. Bob Fry, "Hey, I've got it on video. Those guys stole like three bones from Jimmo and Jono." And Bob Fry's like, you know, he's like, "Nope, nope, nope. This is a casual event. We can't do anything." But he's like, "No, these guys got <laughs> ripped off." But I, I mean, we held our own with those guys. <laughs> That's like, awesome. and and so I how think many ribs we, did, like, did you eat? Like, was it within minutes? It was yeah, I think it was ten minutes. You okay. had to eat all these these ribs, and Do you remember uh, how, back then I, mean, I don't remember. Ago. But all I remember is I was I thought, man, I hope I don't choke to death right now. <laughs> but my brother and I, we like, I, I mean, we weren't we're not ready to go battle Joey Chestnut at the time, but like like we did pretty good. I was yeah. pretty proud. It was, and uh, we I have a picture of my brother and I that um, I can't remember who took this picture, but. We're eating, and our cheeks are as fat as can be, just filled with rib, rib yeah. meat. And so it was awesome. Great time. Let's get back to your book. Um, something that, you know, I'm so proud of you, you know, top fuel for life, man. And it's uh, life lessons from a crew chief. Why did you write a book? Most people, um, you know, I have two of them, and, and uh, it's like birthing a baby. <laughs> it is yeah, it is you know what what made you want to even be an author you know i i had some some good friends of mine um uh brian marshall and, and scott garwood and yeah, i had spent guys. some time talking with them and you know and and after tammy passed away I, I we would talk about things and and i would bring up things of how um you know I, how many things i learned through this experience with her, you know, both good and bad mistakes I made and everything. And they said, you know, you ever thought about writing a book, you know, and putting all this on paper. And I'm like, why would I write a book? And they're like, we think you have a great story to tell. Yeah. And I said, okay. So, you know, we joked about it a little bit and then I kind of blew it off. And then a couple of weeks later, like, Hey, you thought about it. You want to do this book. And finally I'm like, all right, we'll do this book. And, um, you know, so we went through all that, you know, you know, getting some funding together to make it happen with a Kickstarter program. Mm -hmm. And finally that became a reality. And next thing you know, we're, we're writing this book and, and, um, you know, I had a great, uh, ghostwriter and, and Michelle Kelly, she helped me out so much, you know, put my thoughts and words on mm -hmm. the paper and put it in the correct or, you know, order and stuff and make sure all the editing was right and everything. So, <laughs> Um, you know, and I, and I really wanted to make sure that I was as, you know, accurate and honest as possible and mm -hmm. truthful as possible about everything that I put in the book. And, um, you was know, was it emotional for you? It was, 
And it was uh, it was also therapeutic for yeah. me at the time to Absolutely. to be able to write that book. Um, and and I told myself when I was all done, and I said I hope that this book can help one person. If it can help one person, then I'm going to be very happy about that. And um, you know, I certainly didn't write the book to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, I I have not you know made a made a dime. I spent a lot of money, you know, with getting it all going. But, um, you know, uh, I just wanted to be able to share the mistakes I made in my life, you know, whether it was while Tammy had cancer, before she had cancer. Um, I just, I just wanted to help if there was a way that there was somebody else out there that was going through something very similar to I was going through that possibly, reading my book would help them. And, uh, that's what was what it like the first time someone came to you, either called you, wrote to you or saw you at a book signing and says, you know what? Thank you so much. Believe it or not, it was the weekend we had the book launch in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. And a, um, a lady brought her friend out to the racetrack and her friend had just lost her husband to cancer. And, Apparently, you know, they, they got hold of my book on Amazon.com like a few days before, and this lady read this book in a matter of like two days. Mm-hmm. And she came out to me at the racetrack in Dallas, and she wanted to tell she specifically wanted to come out to the racetrack to meet me and talk to me and tell me how much my book made to her and how much it helped her. Yeah. And it was at that point that I went, wow, you know, and you know, there's, there's so many great things that I've been able to do in life, you know, whether it's being part of a championship winning drag racing team or, you know, being a crew chief for Doug Coletta and, you know, winning races and things like that. But to be able to help somebody that way is so much more gratifying than, uh, than anything else. And, and I started, seeing this a lot more, you know, people that, you know, read my book, they would send me emails or messages on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it may be about how they read my book and how much of a, of a impact it made on their life and people coming up to me at the racetrack and I'd I'd sit there and uh, talk with them. And it was, it was truly amazing. There is no amount of drugs, alcohol, money, or anything else to make you feel that way. Am I right or wrong? Oh, you're absolutely right. It's, yeah, it's to make a positive impact on uh, and a powerful impact on somebody's life that way, that is, um, you, you can't put a, uh, a price on that whatsoever. So Jimmo, you know, um, I've been, um, a professional motivational speaker for 20 years. I have a couple books, but the speaking business came first, then my books, you went the other route. You came out with a book, and then all of a sudden people said, hey, will you come speak for our company, for our organization? What was it like for you to, now you've already been a crew chief for a championship team. You've been like all these things and succeeded at every single one of them. What was it like five minutes before you took the stage of your first motivational talk? Well, I was pretty. Yeah, I was. It, and I'm, I'm having fun with you now oh, because yeah. I know it, it, if you give me one answer, you're. I know that you're telling the truth. If you give me another answer, I know you're full of crap. <laughs> I, I was nervous. Okay, I was going to say yeah, yeah. I was. I was definitely nervous. Um, you know, I. Um, so, what was it like for you though when somebody came to you and said, "I read your book. I want you to. Will you give us a key a keynote talk? Will you? Will you? Will you do this for us? I mean, you, you probably didn't even know that there was a business out there for that stuff, right? No, I, I was I was blown the only, away. <laughs> the only speaker you probably ever met was me. Yeah, and, I, and now you've met a few other ones, I'm sure. But now all of a sudden you're up there with a microphone speaking for an hour. It was it was <laughs> awesome. I you know I remember um, Doug Herbert. You know he has a, a great organization called Breaks, and it's. Um, um, uh, be responsible and keep everyone safe. And it's, and Doug, unfortunately he lost, um, his, uh, his two sons, James and John to a car accident, uh, back in 2008. And he, um, 
he took that tragedy and did something positive with it because unfortunately his boys were, you know, driving recklessly and they went head on into a car and um, it was devastating for Doug, but Doug did something and he did something positive about it. And he um, put this organization together that it's more than a driving school and Mm -hmm. it's, and it's not just for the kids, it's for the parents, it's for everybody involved to teach them the dangers of, you know, driving recklessly and to teach them about being responsible on the road. And and it's such a great and wonderful organization. And, um, I remember when, when, uh, he and now his wife Mimi, they asked me about speaking at their event. And, um, so I, I did this and it was awesome. And it was such a great event. And I enjoyed every minute of being able to do that. And it was such a, an impactful thing for me that I learned so much from. And then, you know, after that, uh, I remember Brett Shaw, uh, he was the uh, former president of, of Mac Tools. And he asked me to be a speaker at one of the, the Mac Tools Fair, their mm-hmm. big show that they have every year. And I remember doing that and you're sitting up there in front of, you know, almost a thousand Mac tools distributors. And I'm like, man, I hope I don't screw this up. But (laughs) it was, it was really cool because then you get to meet so many people. They're like, that can relate to what you said. Absolutely. And, and, um, you know, and that's what was so awesome about everything for me, because, you know, I truly felt like I had, the ability to help people. I had the ability to help people through, you know, what could be a tough situation, a bad situation. And, and I can help people learn through the the many mistakes I've made in my life. What's some advice that you could give a young man or a woman that wants to get into the racing business? Because the racing business is the same across the board. It doesn't matter if it's NASCAR, if it's NHRA, it's still, you still have PR, you still have sponsorship, you still have a driver, you still have a crew. You know what I mean? You have all this, all this. What advice, because I'm sure you get asked this all the time, what advice could you give somebody that wants to get into the racing business? Well, the, the, the racing business is, is very, um, it's very time consuming and it's, um, it, it, it sucks you in, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, you know, all racing is fun. I mean, for me, drag racing is the greatest thing on earth, you know, and, and, but you know, there's, there's people that love NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, motorcycle, it doesn't matter yeah. what it is, you know, if, if it's got two wheels, four wheels, people will race and maybe even one wheel in some that <laughs> some respects. But, you know, I, I guess the thing for me is, is that don't ever forget about yourself, you know, and, and there's, there's nothing wrong with putting yourself first, you Mm -hmm. know, to make sure that you're, you're, you're happy with what you're doing, you know, because, um, it's, it's a tough life, you know, and it's, it's definitely a different lifestyle than, you know, a normal eight to five job, you know, um, you travel a lot and you're, there's a lots of ups and downs with racing. I mean, you certainly don't go out and win every single race. Um, there's guys that have come close. I think Steve Torrance is doing that now over on <laughs> top fuel side, NHRA, but it's like, you know, you, you have to accept the lows with the highs, right? Because, you know, there, it's so easy to go from being a champ to a chump That's in right. no time. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you, you have to learn. And when you, and sometimes you get spoiled, you know, when things are going really good, you just don't think they can ever go another way, right. but they can. And when you think that you are done learning, you might as well pack your bags and go because. Oh yeah, you're you, you, you're going to be whisked away. Yeah, because you're you're going to be constantly, constantly learning. Yeah, there's every day is a, is a learning experience, and you know, for me, you know, the day that I wake up and think I know everything about drag racing is a day that. I really need to quit and just not even be involved in anymore. What passions do you have outside of racing? Like, I, I mean, and don't, don't tell me you go home and you tinker around with your other cars. No. I mean, what passions do you have outside of racing when you've had a, a tough weekend or, or you just want to get away? What do you do to get away from everything? Well, probably the first thing that I would do, um, you know, for me is, is, you know, looking at my daughter, 
you know, she's um, an amazing young lady and, and I, I love her to death. And, you know, that puts a smile on my face, you know, all the time. And um, no, no matter if she's being, you know, difficult that day or that weekend or whatever, she's they my daughter. They seem to know everything, don't they? They do. They do. <laughs> and, um, you know, so that's that's something for me that's that's kind of a big deal. And, and uh, you know, another thing for me, you know, I, my, my girlfriend, Sarah, and I will go to the movies and I love going to the movies. And I've told people, I said, you know, man, I wish I could be like a movie critic and actually make money for it because I, I mean, I will go to the movies by myself or Sarah and I will go, Ashley and I will go. And, um, I love going to the movies and I love sitting there watching movies and they could be dumb movies. They could be action packed movies, funny movies. Yeah. I, I don't get into the chick flick stuff too much, but um, you know, so I probably wouldn't be able to review many what, of those movies. But, what's the last movie you went to? Um, what did we go see? Ashley and I, she wanted to go see this movie, A Simple Favor, which I think is a chick flick. Okay. But I went with her and I saw that. And then, um, um, what was the net? I saw a movie the next day. Now I can't even remember what the heck it was. I saw. I went saw. to the movies a couple of weeks ago. I haven't been in years, years. The movie theaters have changed, my friend. Oh, I yeah. mean, you pick your seats and everything. Um, you know, I, I was interviewing Cody Coughlin a lot because he was in the truck series, and um, he was in a movie. So I wanted to go see the movie that he was in, and so I could talk about it on stage next time I interviewed him. And I couldn't believe how everything has changed when it comes to movies and in the seats now, recline all the way back. Oh, yeah. The problem with it is like, you almost fall asleep. <laughs> yes, in them. It's so, if it's, it's not so a good awesome. movie, you might fall asleep. <laughs> Listen, we literally, literally only have like 10 minutes before another hour is over. And oh, man. I know this is crazy. Fans constantly give the drivers, crew chiefs, people on the team things. What's something that a fan has given to you that has been memorable? to you and what i'm talking about is i know even i'm just an mc i just go out there and i interview the drivers but i get close to certain fans and stuff like that and they give me things i mean i've gotten tokens of border patrol guys that have it's been blessed by the pope and and they carry it with them and for years and they would give it to me um i've had rocks that you know their their sons that you know just all kinds of cool things that i still carry in my backpack to this day because they took time to give it to me, and, and they were proud of something that, that, that they gave to me. Has a fan ever gave you something that, that has been so memorable to you that you still have it today? today? Well, there's a lot of things that, that fans have given me. Um, you know, pictures are, are pretty common. Yeah. Um, you know, pictures of, you know, whether it's myself and my daughter, myself and my brother, myself and Scott or Connie or whoever. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've got, over the years, gotten a lot of really cool pictures. Um, one of the things that I got from a fan in, in, um, Chicago, and I would get these things religiously every time we raced in Chicago, he had, um, the, um, uh, four leaf clovers. Were they real? Yeah. Really? And, and he would find these things and he would come out and get, and we kind of had a thing going because every time he would show up, you know, we always tended to do pretty good at Chicago. So <laughs> I always felt, you know, we both felt like we needed these four leaf clovers in, in order to, to be successful at, uh, at the Chicago. But, you know, I would say that was probably, probably the coolest thing where somebody will always come around and, and make sure that, that we had them. You're in the car business, my friend. Give me your f- five top vehicles of all time, racing and non-racing. Hmm. Well, I, 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 you know, you know that I do a lot with Chevy, so you better make sure that Chevy is in there somewhere. I'm just going to say. I'm just well, I, give you I the- could tell you. I could tell you right now. How can you not love a Chevy pickup? Oh truck? my God! I know. I got a brand I mean, new one sitting in the driveway. I mean, those those things are those things are very cool. So, uh, um, you know, a Chevy pickup is something that that that's that's uh, awesome to me. Um, you know, I've. Um, you know, as far as like any car, you know, there's, you know, some of the, the, the old drag racing cars, like my dad's, you know, the pleasure seekers top fuel car or, or the Nirvana top fuel car that he had, you know, was partners with a couple of guys back in the seventies is always something that stood out to me. Um, the, um, 
two cars, and I kind of compare them like in the same breath would be like the Blue Max funny car and the Army funny car. The Blue Max funny car driven by Raymond Beetle and the Army funny car driven by Don the Snake Perdome. Those were like those were like two of the coolest cars ever, you know. And and those were cars that were before I got involved full time racing. You know, those were like man, these guys were my heroes. Like Raymond Beetle was like. A, like a really cool guy, you know, come to my dad's shop all the time. Um, you know, I would, I would say that, um, you know, I, I like the old muscle cars. I always had a, a fascination for like the old, uh, you know, Camaros and Corvettes oh, and yeah. stuff, you know, back then and, um, Ford Mustangs and, and stuff. So I'm kind of like, I can't say that I have like a, a particular, particular car that I have to have. Um, you know, I, I used to think that like having a Ferrari or Lamborghini would be really cool, but there ain't no way my big ass is going to fit in one of those and get out of one of what those. What about a Porsche 911 with a whale tail? And, and, and I say that because while you're talking, Rick Fisher had one of his red oh, yeah. Porsches at your race shop one time. And I, and I, so one day I walk in and I see it there and I'm like, flipping Jimmo bought a new car. <laughs> 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 oh no! I th- th- yeah, you know the Porsche nine elevens are are they're really pretty cool. Yeah, especially I, the older ones. Yeah, like, the, you know. like I remember, I had a picture of a nine thirty five DP that was just like the coolest thing ever, and I thought, oh, that'd be so awesome to have one of those cars, you know, someday. And that was like stuff when I was a kid that I always it was a dream list, I guess. You've been doing this for thirty some years, and you have been around so many celebrities. Does one or two stick out? And the reason why I say that is because you brought something up that 30-some years ago, you were just happy to to be uh, polishing the car. And uh, Mr. Fisher, that's one thing that he always did. I mean, he, that's what he, this, th- this guy didn't have to, like, he was just, he loved to be a part of the team. Right. But I've also seen celebrities in your pits, and they just wanted to do something. So you let them like take an oil pan and like and clean it out. Um, I've seen Jesse James back there several times. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, who has been some people that they were in your pits? They wanted to meet you, and you turned around and you're like, "Wow!" Like I looked up to this person. Like I I listened to his music or her music. Or I mean, th- does any of them stand out? I tell you what, I've I've been fortunate to meet a lot of cool people from, you know, Kid Rock, you know, Jesse James. Mm -hmm. Jesse James is, is, you know, a friend of mine and, and, um, you know, been a a good influence for me in in many ways. Um, Chip Foose, you know, he's another guy that's just a really great guy. Um, John Paul DeJoria, Alexis DeJoria's father. And and I and Alexis really should be considering that celebrity thing as well. But John Paul, her dad, um, truly amazing guy. Mm-hmm. You know, just a very inspirational guy and positive guy. It's like, man, that guy could be be ripping your ass and you wouldn't even know it, I don't right. think. You know, he's he's just that <laughs> so kind nice. of guy. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I've been fortunate to meet a lot of, you know, whether it's professional football players, baseball players and stuff. But I'll tell you a guy that I met that I thought was cooler than hell was the nature boy, Ric Flair. Oh, yeah. Woo! Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, I met him at an event out in Las Vegas. Um, A marketing company came out there and presented something to us. And then they had heard that that I liked watching wrestling and stuff. And the next thing you know, Ric Flair comes walking through the door but he was a really cool guy yeah. and somebody that was a was a really a truly a down to earth guy and i just had a lot of fun with him what's one thing in life and we're going to wrap it up right here that you still want to accomplish you've accomplished so much in your young life but what's one thing that's still that that that, that carrot is dangling in front of you that you still want to go after and and you want to you want to reach that goal. You want to get to that next level. What is it for you, Jim? Well, I still have, I still believe I have some unfinished business in, in NHRA drag racing. And I, you know, I, I want to go out and, you know, be able to win races and, and win a championship. And, but, you know, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, you know, too. And I've also, I want to own my own business. And, um, 
you know, I've been thinking about this for the last couple of years and, and I've spent, um, you know, this time that I've had off here recently kind of accelerating that process. What kind of business? Are you ready it. to tell us? Well, I'm, I'm looking at a couple <laughs> different things, you know, one of the main, it's, it's automotive related and, yeah. and, um, you know, it's something that I'm, I'm definitely concerned before I came over here and saw you, I, you know, I seen you, I'm met with these people and it's, it's just, it's something that's very exciting for me. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, taking that, that leap of faith to go do this. Cause it's scary, you Absolutely. know, and, you know, to open your own business and, and succeed at it because I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've created a, a nice little nest egg for myself to where, you know, I don't have to go out and work tomorrow. Right. But you know, I, I haven't worked now in the last month and, and, I'm bored to death. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I've had people call me up, Hey, why don't you come out and help in a race car? I'm leaving Monday to go to Australia, help friend Bruce Reed out with his race car. But I'm, you know, I, I, that intrigue of owning your own business is something that has, it keeps getting greater and greater and greater for me. And that's something that I really would like to do. And, and it may, and it, you know, it may take me away from drag racing, you know, but that's okay. Your last thought, and I want to ask you this, what's a motto that you live by every single day that you can share with everybody? Well, for me, it's that, that happiness is so powerful and that for me, I want to be happy every day I wake up. I want to be happy with the things that I do, the things that I'm going to do or the things that I have done. And, um, you know, and that that simple happiness is is powerful for me to move on with my life and and hopefully have that positive effect on people. You know, and I think that's uh, you know goes back to why I want to own my own businesses. Maybe I can do that. You know, to be able to help um, help people. Mm -hmm. You know, with you know in life, whether it's giving them a job or you know doing anything that's what i want to do how can people find your book well, and again it's top fuel for life it's it's on amazon.com um i believe it's on you know it's been on walmart.com and barnesandnoble.com but that's that's where you can get it if people want to book you for a speaking gig or want to reach out to you do you have a way that people can get a hold of you these days without giving out your phone number <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm on i'm on facebook you know um you can find me on facebook instagram twitter anything like that um you know i have i haven't done a lot with with the the speaking stuff mm -hmm. uh, uh this past year because there's so many other things that have been going on but that's something that now that i've you know stepped away from um you know my racing role you know i'm looking back at that again to see about trying to get back into that you know full time again can you believe it's been another hour like i feel i felt like i just sat down with you and now we're at you know our episode number two i mean this is just crazy i can't thank you enough for coming by hanging out with me for not only one episode but two this is johnny d the motivational cowboy telling all of you be safe have fun and have yourselves an outstanding day you have just listened to the second episode of life at 300 miles per hour with my friend jimmo and don't forget you can find all the episodes of outstanding life podcast at motivationalcowboy.com soundcloud.com forward slash outstanding life podcast and don't forget you can also download it at itunes podcast Again, this is Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy, telling all of you, be safe, have fun, and have yourselves an outstanding day. Thanks, Jimmo. Thank you, Johnny D. Outstanding Life is a Soul Bridge Studio production.